This is the Press Box. He's just doing his own self-critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted very... in his own voice, apparently. Yeah. The only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around, because it is me. With Grady and Bischoff. He literally, it's the exact same. It's, it's, it's the exact mimicking. same. Thing. Ed was, a, was an actor at one point. He can remember voices. <laughs> Child actor. On ESPN Las Vegas. Whacking that thing around. You have, I wasn't that good of an actor. You have the lowest voice in that rejoin. I know. Like you're <laughs> and, I, and I specifically did that so I wouldn't go high. <laughs> so I said, I don't know what's wrong with my voice today. And so I went, uh, that's a great opening by Kira. She did the opening. Good job, Kira. Good that's, job. Good we got we to gotta get your pot. voice high, though. I think that's the new stated goal of the show is to get you... To where like you're not animated? paying, yeah, where you're not paying animated? attention anymore, and your voice gets high, and then you look back on it saying, "Damn, oh, that's the new goal." Yeah, well, I'll stay like this for now. <laughs> when do the Dodgers play again? Yes, that, well, <laughs> that's actually yeah. No, that, that's we what don't, we, we don't do. really know. That could, that could be a long time from now. I wrote a uh, how to run the show, and the 9:45 segment as for people who know how to like. Here's how you run the show: is find a Dodger uh, mistake. <laughs> it's important what we need here we go first bite can the golden knight survive with logan thompson in net what's happening with this team oh i thought jared was falling with a joke oh no the joke is well they can only score if he's out of net oh that's true okay that's accurate all right what's what's happening with this team like how do they have so many injuries It's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I was watching last night, watched the game last night, and sitting there and naming off all the injuries, and I came to the conclusion, that ah, doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it, it, result... it, it doesn't matter. Like, they're all going to come back, and like you said, they're going to put someone on the LTIR, and they're all going to be there for the playoffs. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. We're going to look back and say, remember that time Logan Thompson had to start a game <laughs> and have a hot lap for his – he only took half the only took half the ice. I was a little right. disappointed. He kind of cheated the hot yeah, lap Yeah, he, che- he cheated the hot lap. He you got to go the all the way around. Yeah. But, like – how have they had so many injuries? I don't I don't quite comprehend this because this is now, again, last night, what did they play without? Stone, Pacioretty, obviously Eichel, both Robin Leonard and Laurent Brossois. Alec Martinez is still out, even though he returned to practice in a non-contact jersey. Uh, and Nick Hague. Am I forgetting somebody? I think that's it. But that's like, that's an no, insane but- amount of guys to be missing after we just spent the first 20 games of the season with even more players than that that were out. How many teams have both goalies out? That's tough. I mean, for it's and tough to get both goalies out. The other injuries. guys I get because they're, you know, they're playing. Right. <laughs> and for injuries, this is not. Right. This isn't COVID. None of this is COVID. No. None of this is COVID. It's not like we've seen across all our sports. We've seen teams play very shorthanded because of COVID. Yeah, sure. Ottawa still hasn't played for like nine months. <laughs> None of this is COVID. This is, this is all injury, which is. I, it's bizarre that we're now doing this for a second time in the same season where we're kind of like, all right, the uh, game doesn't really matter because yeah, Michael Amadio the, is out yeah, there exactly. playing like big minutes. Ben Hutton is on the first yeah. pair with Alec with Petrangelo. Petrangelo. Can you see Button looking over yeah. saying, look who I get to play with? <laughs> can you imagine Petrangelo looking over saying, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> exactly. Who am I playing with? So it's it's just it's bizarre that we're doing this again. But in all honesty... Logan Thompson wasn't bad last no, night. He wasn't bad. Like he was good in the he was good in the first for sure. Yeah, like gave up three goals. The Golden Knights didn't play very well because again they don't have Stone, they, they don't Patrick have anyone in, on the team. Martinez or Hague. But so let me ask you this: What do you think is more important that they get at least one of, if not both, Robin Leonard and Laurent Brassois back quickly, or 
Stone and Pacioretty back? Like, which one of those is, is more important to the team I mean, winning? Sounds crazy, but I think the goalie. Because I think they can still manufacture scoring with the misfit line and others. And I mean, they didn't do great last night, but I don't know if Logan Thompson can string together eight really good games or nine really good games if he has to be the guy. Did they have an emergency as the backup last night? No, Dylan Ferguson. Oh, was. Dylan Ferguson. Yeah, because okay, the, right. the Silver Knights are on. They okay, had another, on game, another yeah. game canceled because right. of COVID. So they haven't, they haven't played in like okay. a week or something. So, yeah, it was just the Henderson Silver Knights goalie tandem was okay. the Gold Knights goalie right. tandem. I, uh, goalie I think it's is, goal. It's far and away like the more important position. It's the easy answer. But I think it's Stone and Pacioretty. And I, I might be overvaluing Logan Thompson. When I say that, right, but I, right, Logan. Well, how long are been, we talking? Like a eh, two weeks. I'd still go with the goalie. You need like I just keep thinking now ah, they'll be all right because everyone's going to come back and they're yeah. going to win the cup. They will. They will eventually. But just like, okay, here's what I'm fascinated with Lo- with Logan Thompson, and I hope we get to see him for a few more games. Robin Leonard has been back at practice, so Maybe Leonard not. presumably is going to play right. sometime soon. Would be the best guess, right? Hopefully Saturday. Hopefully. Um, but with Logan Thompson, what I'm fascinated in is can can he be like just a, a quality backup goalie in the NHL? Because he's been very good in the AHL for now. You know, last season he had like a nine four five save percentage. This year he's over nine two. Like he's been a very good AHL goalie. Now that doesn't always translate perfectly to the NHL, but the Golden Knights, like here's my here's my mild take of the morning for you. <laughs> I think Logan Thompson, we saw one game last night, but if he got a few more, I think he would prove that the Golden Knights messed up in the offseason by signing Laurent Brossois because Ooh. they signed Brossois to be a backup, and Brossois has been a, a fine backup fine. in his career, but they signed Brossois and they gave him $2.3 million, right? A two-year contract, $2.3 million. Again, it's a mild take because $2.3 is not some massive number that sinks your you know salary cap for the year. But... Laurent Brossois this year, 900 save percentage. He ranks 47th among the 68 goalies that qualify in terms of goals saved above average. Like he's been a below average goalie this year in the NHL. They're paying him $2.3 million. Logan Thompson's cap hit $800,000. Yeah. It wasn't even going to be a million. Like we're, we're talking about saving $1.5 million. And again, that's not a ton of money, right? This isn't sink or swim for the organization. $1.5 million. But I do feel like Logan Thompson could do what Laurent Brossois has done this year. I'm not going to disagree. I, I was watching last night, and I thought uh, I thought the announcers made a good point in that Logan Thompson's kind of done all he can do at the AHL level. I mean, he was oh, yeah. goalie there last year, so eventually, at some point, you have to give him a shot, at least as the backup, right? I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's not going to do anything more with the Knights that he has, excuse me, with the Silver Knights that he hasn't already done. But again... Brossois is there now, so I, you know, it's a logjam, and he's not going to get his chance unless Brossois goes down with with whatever injury he has. Right. I don't know if we know what injury he has. Yeah, that's true. It's it's very it's very much like the baseball prospect who's like, hey, he's been killing it at AAA for a year and a half. Got to give him a shot. He's a third baseman, and the major league team has a star third baseman, right. and they're, right. they're just like, well, your path is blocked. Like right. it, it's kind of like that with Logan Thompson, where he probably deserves a shot to at least be a backup. For the Golden Knights, but they have Leonard and they gave Brossois a two-year, $2.3 million deal. So it's it's probably not going to happen unless there's injuries. And what's what's actually, I think, funny is Robin Leonard's been out for a while. Robin Leonard's been out since before Christmas. 
they played Laurent Brossois in every single game, even though Logan Thompson was there as the backup. As the backup. Right? They could have given Logan yeah. Thompson a game. In yeah. there. They could have done that, but they didn't. They chose to keep going with Brossois over and over and over. And it was until it wasn't until Brossois got hurt that they decided to give Logan Thompson a chance. So I, I almost feel like there's a little bit from the Golden Knights front. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's the front office or the coaching staff, but somewhere there where they don't believe in Logan Thompson, at least enough to give him a game, right? right? I mean, it's not going to hurt you to give him a game in there when no. Robin Leonard's out. So I almost wonder if there's, for some reason, they they see the numbers at the AHL and they say, yeah, those are great numbers, but it's not going to translate to the yeah. NHL because of blank. And whatever that reasoning is, they aren't going to give think, him any chances. And I don't think we've seen him enough to kind of deduce what that is. No. and I mean, like I said, he was fine last night. Yeah. He was fine. He was. I mean, he was their best player in the first period. First period, yeah. They first were period, terrible. They didn't, they, it was horrible the in the first period. period. They didn't do anything in the first period, and <laughs> they played in their own zone the entire time, and I thought he was really good, made some good saves, probably at least should have been down 1-0. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think Nashville's more. expected goals after the first period was like 1.2 yeah, or something. At least should have like been down that. 1-0. Like, it was a pretty dominant period for Nashville, so... It's it's an interesting scenario, and again, it's a mild take for you to say they screwed up by giving Brosoal that contract. Because again, we're not talking about a bunch of money; we're talking about like saving a million and a half. But do you want to see Leonard against Flurry, or do you want to see Logan Thompson beat Flurry? Oh, that'd be funny. Because then everybody would be wrong. If Logan Thompson beat Flurry, then Flurry sucks. The Golden Knights are wrong because. They had Logan Thompson sitting around and paid Leonard and paid Brossois. That would be funny. But no, give me Leonard versus Flurry because there's the chance there that Golden is Knights it, fans are cheering for the other well, team. Well, that's the goalie. thing. Is it wrong of me <laughs> to hope that Chicago scores first and the reaction is not what you'd expect it to be? <laughs> is, that, is that wrong of me? Am I being mean here? There's that, just groans from the crowd. Yeah, just groans. Or... Chicago scores and everyone cheers because Flurry's up 1-0. He's up 1-0. Or Flurry's got a shutout and they cheer when the final yeah. uh, horn goes he's, off. He's like standing ovation as he skates off, waving to everybody. Be a little scary. All right. I'm going to uh, abbreviated Grainy's grades here. All right. Um, all right. Keegan Colasar got in a fight last night. He fought Tanner Janot. Who won the fight and who you giving grades to? Uh. I give Genoa B plus. I, I think it was a ten B plus. I think it was a ten nine round. Uh, he got the helmet off of Kolasar, so that usually uh, to me gives the uh, other guy the um, the uh, edge ten nine on the round. I thought Kolasar got one punch in early. I give him a C. I don't think it was a great fight. C. I'm giving Genoa an A plus. A okay. plus. You think he won the fight. Yes, but he pulled a great move because you get a hockey fight, they grab each other's sweater with right. their left arm, and then they're just trying to punch with their right, right. arm. He switched hands mid fight and started hitting Kolasar with his left hand. That was a great move. That was a great move, and that's why he won the fight. So he gets an A plus. A plus. Ryan Reeves gets an F though. F. Because on the broadcast last night, Dave Gosher said that Keegan Colasar is now tied, He's now Ryan tied Reeves with Ryan Reeves for, for the, nine yeah. fights as a Golden Knight. The most fights. Ryan Reeves played in 209 games for the Golden Knights. Colasar's played in 81. <laughs> Ryan Reeves now will hear this and make up for it on Thursday night. Because he'll be here tomorrow. He's going to no. fight seven people. No, yes. he won't. He literally never fights. Right. He doesn't fight that much. So he He's probably the won't only quote-unquote enforcer in the league that never really fought. Fight. All right, uh, one more thing to grade. Pete DeBoer pulled Logan Thompson with 11 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game while they were down 3 nothing. I actually think that's an A-plus because I think it's funny. A-plus. 
It's an A plus because it's the smart a thing to plus. do. I mean that that and it's funny. I eleven thirty. Actually, no, no. Pete DeBoer gets a C. C. Very good job pulling the goalie. He should have left Logan Thompson on the bench for the entirety, for the entirety of the last of ten it? minutes. Last ten minutes, Logan Thompson should not have seen the ice, not for a single second. So he should have left him on the bench. So only a C. But good, good thought process. Because here's the thing: they had a four on three power play right. with eleven thirty to go. Right. Down three nothing, and DeBoer said, "Well, we're down three nothing, so what's, get out of there. The Let's take a five right. on three for it was like a minute or something right. like that. Let's take a five on three and try to score." They didn't, but that's what every coach should be doing. If you're down three in the third period and you get a power play at any point, you should pull your goalie every single time. And honestly, if you're down three with eight minutes to go, regardless of if you have a power play or not, you should pull. Your yeah, goalie. you're down three. Yeah, it's, you're, you very rarely come back to even get a right. tie down three with ten minutes to go. So. I, thought, I literally thought at the end they were tying it. Oh, me too. Of course you did. I thought they, they, they get that's the all they do one. now. That's they all had, they do yeah. now. Score with like eight seconds left in the third to tie games. So you go off somebody's skate, something yeah, stupid. Exactly. And like, I thought, hey, it, I they thought it was actually, they were actually going to tie and get a point at least. All right, coming up next, Jim Harbaugh. Is he the next Raiders coach? It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Nice guy, Cooper Cup. I all like right. that guy even more now. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Jim Harbaugh, you ready for him to be the Raiders next coach? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be so, interesting for us. This is from The Athletic. The Athletic is hearing rumblings both from the NFL side and at Michigan that Harbaugh might be tempted to leave the Wolverines and return to the NFL. The Raiders head coaching job might be tough for him to say no to given his ties to the organization. He started his coaching career there in t- uh, 2003. And the fact that there's already a solid quarterback in place in Derek Carr. He's also friends with Raiders owner, Mark Davis. So should Jim Harbaugh be the Raiders top candidate? I think he should be one of their top candidates. What three NFC championship games, a Super Bowl? I mean, I don't, I think that, okay, I'll put it this way. I think they could do a lot worse than Jim Harbaugh. Here's my question. Can they do better? Who's better? Mike Tomlin. Lane Kiffin. Mike Tomlin Tomlin is not available. You know why Mike Tomlin's better? Because in 15 years, he's never had a losing season. <laughs> Mike True. Tomlin is not available. Uh, Lane Kiffin might be. Well, your guy's Lane Kiffin, so I don't know if you want him leaving. I mean, I want Lane Kiffin here for the hilarity yeah. of Lane Kiffin being back as the Raiders head coach. But okay, I don't, I don't know that there's a genuinely better option yeah. than Jim Harbaugh. Like, is there an offensive coordinator that that you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely a better option? Like, Byron Leftwich is going to potentially Eric get Bien-Ami. a job. Are they are they definitely no. better than Harbaugh? No, no, I mean, they he's might, already proven right, it. They might end up being better than Harbaugh. Well, no doubt but about that's that. that's a chance, if, especially right. if Jim Harbaugh wants to come. Right. So, like, I don't know if Harbaugh should be at the top of the list. There might be an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator that, uh, you know, Mark Davis loves and is like, that's the guy. He's going to get it done. And that's fine. But I don't think there, like I don't think you can make a genuine argument that there's going to be somebody with a better resume than Jim Harbaugh for this job. Like, yes, if Mike Tomlin were to get fired, yes, Mike Tomlin is a better choice. <laughs> but that's unlikely. So I again, I don't know that Harbaugh would be great here. I just if you're looking at resumes, I don't think there's going to be somebody with a better resume than Harbaugh that could be available. If he gets Jim Harbaugh, then this whole idea about that, and we've talked about it several times that. He didn't interview anyone. Not to distract the team will mean nothing. Well, it already, to me, it already means if, nothing. If he gets if he gets Jim Harbaugh, yeah. Well, to me, it already means nothing because this whole thing about Mark Davis, he hasn't had a coach for like three months now, right? And 
he hasn't apparently interviewed anybody for it. Hasn't talked to anybody about it, I guess, other than to say I'm focused on this year's team. And we've talked about it. And the whole point of that was like, hey, let's not distract this team. This team's got to playoffs, like whatever. Well, guess what? The story's still out here. Like Mark Davis might not have interviewed Jim Harbaugh, but we're still sitting here. What? Three or four days before they play the biggest game of the year. Talking yeah. about Jim, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh potentially being the coach, coach of the Raiders. Year. So even though Mark Davis maybe didn't interview anybody, it still didn't work. Like we're still talking about it because guess what? He has an interim head coach who nobody believes is going to be the head coach next year. Regardless of whether or not Mark Davis actually interviews people, people are going to talk about who the next head coach is because it's one of the vacancies in the NFL. And he, Mark Davis threw away a chance to interview Pete. He had a head start on everybody else in the league and he threw that head start away. And this is why, I think I mean this I think this is coming from Harbaugh. I think he's looking out to Vegas and knows there might be a coach available and he's starting this stuff or his agent's starting this stuff. Yeah, well it's interesting is so the athletics report said they're hearing from both the NFL side and at Michigan. I think at Michigan that's pretty easy to to pinpoint to either Harbaugh yeah, or, or, his agent. or Harbaugh's agent. I, what's the Who, NFL side? That's the curious part to me. I don't, I don't know if it's the Raiders. Yeah. Is it just other GMs that are like, hey, yeah. Harbaugh reached out to yeah. us? Like, I, I don't know what the other NFL side is because what would it be? Like, who who would know Jim Harbaugh's interested in coaching in the NFL? Could it be someone? Because the other option that keeps throwing out there is the Bears. Yeah. So they the Athletic also said the Bears might be another option. So is there somebody with the Bears who, you know, said, hey, yeah. Jim Harbaugh called us to ask right. him if the job was going to be available. And then you just put two, you know, one and one together, and all of a sudden you got, well, wait a minute. He started with the Raiders. The Raiders are going to need a coach. Right. So why wouldn't he be a candidate there over the Bears? Right. And that could that could easily come from his agent, right. too. That could be his Absolutely. agent being like, you know, the Raiders have an opening. Jim started with the Raiders. Right. He's good friends sure. with Mark Davis. Like, yeah. that's an easy one to put together from the agent side. But I am curious, like, what is the NFL side that's saying, "Hey, Harbaugh could be could coming be the back. Bears"? Yeah, could be the agent. Could be the agent running everything. Um, usually, the agent does run everything. So, yeah, I mean, if he wants to come and you can get Jim Harbaugh, I think you take Jim Harbaugh in a second. Because if we're talking about candidates for the Raiders' job, right, and honestly, for pretty much any head coaching job in the NFL, you're primarily looking at current coordinators. In the right. NFL, offensive and defensive, right? And that's where Eric Bieniemy's gotten a lot of interviews but not gotten hired. That's where Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, both the Buccaneers coordinators, are going to already got interviewed by the Jags, right? But you also have... College head coaches. College head coaches, too. But you also have former NFL head coaches who are, you know, like currently out of work or whatever. Or, or Gus Bradley. Right, or a Gus Bradley type who's still a coordinator. And then you have the college head coaches. And, again... Is there? I don't think there's going to be anybody that's a legitimate candidate for the Raiders job that has a better resume no. than Jim Harbaugh. I, I don't think that's going to exist. Now, you might look at it and say, listen, we really believe in Byron Leftwich. And just because he hasn't gotten the shot to be the head coach Doesn't yet, mean he shouldn't. Doesn't mean he's not better than Jim Harbaugh, which is perfectly fine. No problem with that. But that's not, you know, that's not a better resume than Harbaugh. So if, if Harbaugh is available, right? If Harbaugh is like, yes, I'm interested in being the head coach of an NFL team. Then if you're the Raiders, you're absolutely you're absolutely interviewing the guy, and he's probably at the very top of the right. list. And maybe you decide, hey, we love Todd Bowles, right? We think what he did with Tampa's defense is great, and we're going to make Todd Bowles a head coach again in the NFL. Or I love Brian Leftwich or Eric Bieniemy, whoever it is, right? You might say, love that guy. We're going to hire him anyway. But Harbaugh's getting an interview, and I assume Harbaugh is 
yeah. a finalist or whatever the hell the the term is going to be at that point. Harbaugh is going to be in the conversation when there's two or three names left for the Raiders. If he if all this is true and he is, you know, that interested in leaving Michigan and going back to the NFL. Jim Harbaugh, who took a cut and pay to stay at Michigan, is now the head coach of the Las Vegas yeah, he, Raiders. What he, about that headline? He only got $4 million yeah. this last year. I, when, gave him, I also gave him credit. I mean, you know, look, Jim Harbaugh's made a lot of money, but a lot of people who make a lot of money don't do things yeah. like this. Uh, all of his bonuses and everything he did went back to the people at the, at the university who got hurt in the pandemic. I mean, people say, well, he's million, worth millions. Yeah, it doesn't mean he has to. Right. I mean, he, he has to do things like that. He can just keep his money. His salary was $8 million. Yeah. He, he just, it, it was $4 million. He, it he got just cut keep down his money. to $4 million exactly. for this past season. Well, and at the same time, Mel Tucker's getting a 10-year yes. $9.5 million. <laughs> is anyone else scared of how Derek, Derek Carr is going to react to Harbaugh? Because this is the same guy that brought in Peyton Manning and made fun of him because he didn't think it th- he threw hard enough. And so Peyton Manning went to the Broncos and then basically, like, benched Alex Smith behind his back. Like, this guy does not have a good track record with being honest with his or being nice to his quarterbacks. I mean, I think Derek Carr would be. I mean, he was okay with Gruden. How about that? I saw a tweet this morning. It was actually a pretty good tweet. He goes, if this guy has to go Gruden to Harbaugh, boy, he's going he's gonna to need some <laughs> He's gonna need some therapy. He's not going to resign with the Raiders. He's going to say, wait a minute, get me out of here. I got to go to him now. That is the other interesting point for them to point out. There's a solid quarterback in place in Derek Carr. He's only got one year left on his deal. Yeah, we don't know if he's in place. So, yes, new head coach would come in and say, that's my guy. Let's extend him and keep him around for the next five years or whatever that extension would be. But does Derek Carr want to stay here? I mean, he says he wants to be a Raider for life. But, like, if they lose on Sunday, miss the playoffs again, there's more coaching. Like, does Derek Carr really want to stick around here? Like he says he does. But at some point, if, I, if I'm if i Derek Carr, I'm like, please get me the hell out of right. here. Please trade me to somewhere like Stafford went so I can win with a better team. Right. Like, please get me out of here. This organization has been dysfunctional for a long time. And it's not all my fault. So please send me somewhere better. I think he may be like, oh, awesome. All right, Harbaugh. And then about two weeks into practice, go, yeah, please send me anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The Lions sound great. Yeah. Well, this up guy's next. an a-hole. Ben Goats joins the show. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. We gotta stay positive. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Good morning, Ben. Hello, Ben. Morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Let's uh, let's let's start with this. Is Logan Thompson good enough to be just like a backup in the NHL? He certainly seems to think so. I did a big story on <laughs> him around Thanksgiving. <laughs> He thinks that he's ready to be an NHL goaltender. The Silver Knights goaltending coach, Fred Brathwaite, who played in the NHL, thinks that he has the potential to be an NHL goalie. So I think he's going to get a look at some point somewhere, uh, whether it's with the Golden Knights or elsewhere, obviously remains to be seen, but obviously took a step in the right direction with his uh, first NHL start last night. And good for him. I mean, he worked his way into that spot, and obviously I think it was a really uh, cool moment for him and his family. I mean, he can't do anything at the AHL level anymore, right? I mean, doesn't at some point, don't they have to decide if they like him or not? And let me ask you this. Do you really believe they like him, given what they did in the offseason with Bersat and, and bringing him in? Do you truly believe they like Logan Thompson, or is there someone in that organization, who, especially after Logan Thompson's uh, season last year, that's saying, we just don't know if he's good enough? I think they like him. I mean, the Golden Knights are obviously, as we know, looking for a Stanley Cup. So do you really want your insurance plan at that point, you know, your backup 
to Robin Leonard, be a guy who's never started an NHL game before. I mean, I think it made a lot more sense to have him continue to develop in the American Hockey League and have him kind of be a break glass in case of emergency option behind Laurent Brassois. Now, they are going to have to make a decision on him, you know, somewhat in the near future because uh, Logan Thompson is a restricted free agent this offseason. So, you know, they'll have to make some call about his future. Obviously, as you said, he's pretty much established in the American Hockey League at this point. Um, he won the AHL Goalie of the Year Award last year. But even then, you know, it's just like it was in the NHL. He's only playing division teams. This year, obviously, it's a little bit more spread out, and he's playing very well again. So I think he's kind of backed up this play last season, which if you're the Knights, you probably wanted to see that. And so from here on out, the rest of the way, I think he's definitely at least looking to solidify that, yes, I have an NHL future, and here or somewhere else, that's where I want to be. And based on how he played last night, he's obviously got the argument of, like, hey, I can compete at this level. But, you know, heading into, you know, this season during the summer, if the Golden Knights were to say, like, we don't want to bank on that, I think as a team that's chasing a Stanley Cup, I think that was a very reasonable path to take. So for his future, if he's an RFA after this year, Laurent Brossois got next year on his contract, and Robin Leonard's obviously got the long-term uh, deal. Uh, there's not really a path, right? I mean, unless there's a trade, unless the Golden Knights decide, yep, we love Logan Thompson, we're going to trade Laurent Brossois, but I don't even know if you're getting that much for Brossois. Like, there's not really a path to Thompson being an NHL goalie next season either. Yeah, like you said, the one possibility is if the Knights decide that Thompson is ready and then you can potentially, if you trade Brassois, that way Thompson would obviously come cheaper than Brassois. You can spend that money elsewhere on your cap. But it wouldn't be yeah, shocking at all if he has to go, you know, potentially somewhere else for that opportunity or maybe the Knights structure a contract where, you know, it's a uh, two-way deal. Next year, I actually don't know if that's possible. But they, you know, incentivize them where, they kind of say, hey, we'll give you a contract where, you know, maybe next season you're still in the AHL, but beyond that, you're going to end up being our backup goaltender. Uh, we'll see. I would have a hard time imagining that if I believe you would have to get through waivers if they try to keep him around as the third goalie next year, and I would imagine another team would pick him up and kind of at least give him a look. So it'll be a really interesting decision for the Knights in the offseason. In that vein, it's actually probably – okay with them organizationally that they got a look at him yesterday and you know depending on kind of the injury status of Robin Leonard and Laurent Brassois going forward they might get additional looks at him in the near future which I think would be very helpful for their evaluation process and kind of you know building out their goalie depth chart of the future but you know no matter what it's obviously a very very cool story for Logan Thompson I mean this is a guy that uh, was undrafted despite playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings, who, of course, were owned at the time by one Kelly McCribbin. Uh, he would started the Knights' first ever rookie camp game in 2017 once again with his old uh, junior owner, Kelly McCribbin, and was not signed to a contract. Then ended up playing Canadian college hockey, which almost no one comes out of to make the NHL. He was the first uh, youth sports goaltender to appear in the NHL since 1994, uh, ends up, you know, kind of going to the ECHL, performing well, signs a contract with the Knights, drives all the way from Brandon, Manitoba to Las Vegas to participate in the team's pre-bubble camp, uh, ends up, of course, sticking in the organization, winning AHL goalie of the year last year, and now makes his first NHL start. So 
no matter what happens from here for Logan Thompson, the fact that he's even made it this far where we're discussing the possibility of what his NHL future could look like is uh, really, really impressive considering where he started from and where he is now. Uh, interesting quotes from Kelly McCrimmon on Jack Eichel, uh, you know, when he'll probably get here. Uh, obviously, the contact is the main issue when the doctors clear him. Uh, patch ready now, out for at least a month. Why do we keep thinking that they're just going to find a way to put someone on LTIR and not have to trade anybody? I mean, I think the fact that Kucherov, uh, this happened last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think it's so fresh in people's minds that they're just assuming that that could happen. And it still could, obviously. We don't know what's going to happen over the next, you know, two months-ish before kind of the trade deadline when they're really going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do. Um, but as of right now, there still doesn't seem to be a likely kind of get-out-of-jail-free card with the Golden Knights. I mean, the guys that they have left on injured reserve are Alec Martinez, who's skating again with the team, uh, Mark Stone, who's skating again with the team, um, Nick Hegg, who's been around the facility, has a wrist injury. It doesn't seem to be that he'll be out long-term, and he doesn't have a high cap hit anyway. And Max Pacioretty, who, as you mentioned, I mean, as soon as he had that wrist surgery, a lot of people were like, ooh, well, maybe this will be it. Maybe they'll be able to LTIR him for the rest of the season. But Pete DeBoer's initial answer was, hey, we're not expecting him back for at least a month, which tells me that, well, after a month, maybe he becomes a possibility, which in that case, I mean, that's uh, he's going to be back way sooner than the end of the regular season. So obviously you can't rule anything out, but – as of right now, the Knights still don't have kind of an escape hatch to get out of the salary cap crunch that they're going to be facing with Jack Eichel. Now, this front office has proven very creative and aggressive in deals before. I wouldn't be shocked if they found kind of some method that we're not thinking about, like picking up a guy that's on LTIR from another team right now for extra cap flexibility, but there's still pain coming at least as of right now and it doesn't look like they have a way to avoid it there's still pain coming <laughs> who's who's gonna feel that pain like if you were making that decision right now which of the players that are making five plus million dollars do you think are the the easiest to lose and still win a stanley cup i mean the, there's not a lot of guys that i think you could be you know happy to lose thinking it'll make your team better i mean We've obviously talked a lot about kind of the guys that are already going to be unrestricted free agents this offseason and based on how their salary cap looks aren't likely to return. And those are, you know, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb, uh, Matias Yanmark. Uh, you don't need to technically lose all those guys, but those are all options. Now, which one can you lose and make your team better? Obviously, none of them are as good as Jack Eichel, but I mean, Matias Yanmark has been on a tear lately in that third line has looked really, really good. So do you want to hurt your depth scoring? Braden McNabb has been a key part of the blue line all season with guys coming in and out, and he had another one of his patented hip checks last night. If you remove him, you're talking about you know potentially Ben Hutton or Dylan Coughlin being an everyday player. Does that really make you better? And then obviously Riley Smith really carried the Knights' offense for a lot of the early parts of the year when the team didn't have Mark Stone Max Pacioretty, and he's obviously got unbelievable chemistry with William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall. So, so does taking him out and plugging someone else into that spot uh, make you better? I don't know. It's it's tricky. Uh, like I said, Jack Eichel is obviously a better player than any of those guys individually, but the Knights 
throughout their history have been built, you know, kind of about a collection of players, about depth more than absolutely superstar talents. But the winds are going to be shifting a little bit here once Eichel is in the fold. And I'm curious how they're going to kind of structure this roster differently, or at least how they're going to chip away at this roster initially once that happens. Should Pete DeBoer have left the net empty for the last 10 minutes of yesterday's game? I mean, it almost seemed like he was going to at one point last <laughs> night, and I respect his aggressiveness. Obviously, at one point there, the Knights were uh, basically going to be four on three against the Nashville Predators. They pull Logan Thompson. They get a five on three. It almost backfires because the Predators get one guy out of the penalty box. It's five on four, and they miss the empty net wide. But, I mean, the Knights at that point were, I believe, down at least 3-1. They might have been down 3 nothing still at that point. So I respect the go-for-broke mentality in terms of what do we got to lose at this point? You know, we've got a very slim odds of a comeback. Might as well try to juice it a little bit. I did see one kind of hockey observer point out that early goalie pulls or strategic goalie pulls like Pete DeBoer did there might become the new kind of fourth down of the oh, NHL. Of, are you going to be aggressive? Are you going to go for it uh, kind of thing? And it was at least interesting to see Pete DeBoer in that spot choose to kind of roll the dice a little bit and didn't work. It actually nearly backfired, but it certainly probably gave his team a better chance of a comeback than just, you know, sitting back and hoping something would happen at that point. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. You just got Tyler excited enough. You I'm might ready. as well said Chick-fil-A is giving free food for the next <laughs> month every day just for that, for that comment. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. We appreciate that. Thank ben you, Ben. from the Review Journal. Uh, no appreciate problem. It, ben. Happy to help, guys. Take care. Oh, man. You Give like... me a playoff game where a team's down 3 nothing in, like, the second period. And a coach says, we got a power play. Get the hell out of here, goalie. <laughs> we're going We're going six on four for two minutes. Get out of here. Oh, I'm all aboard. I'm all about it. The only time I think I've ever seen a team come back from being down, what, three nothing is uh, you got to hit them in the face and get a five-minute major. Go to break. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Fun quote there. More on that in the front page but today we get to talk about failing upwards because a lot of people in las vegas fail upwards um lafc major league soccer is hiring steve chirondolo to be its next head coach bob bradley and lafc parted ways after this past season if you remember LAFC and our Las Vegas Lights FC were in an agreement this past year where basically Lights FC were the uh, minor league team to LAFC. LAFC provide the players and the coaches for Lights FC and they could call them up and down as they saw fit. And as a part of that, Steve Chirundolo was the head coach of the Las Vegas Lights. They won six games, lost 23 and drew three times this past season. Six, 23, and three. Congratulations, you're now the coach and of now LAFC. He's the head coach of LAFC, a team that spends as much money as pretty much anybody in Major League Soccer. Like, this isn't just any Major League Soccer job. This is a legitimate, hey, we expect to win MLS Cup Major League Soccer job. Steve Trondolo is the head coach a year after going six. 23 and three with lights FC. I mean, seems like there was a handshake agreement that if it opened, he would be the guy no matter what, but 
six twenty three and three, no one would have changed their minds. I mean, they would have said, "Well, we told you you could be the head coach, but six twenty three and three with the lights, we're going to have to look elsewhere." Yeah, according to the LA Times, so LAFC hired Sharundalo last year, and they basically promised him, "Hey, if the head coaching job at LAFC ever opens up, you'll be the front runner for it." And they stuck true to that yeah, promise, apparently, through. and gave Steve Terundolo this job. But again, 623 and 3, it's very, very bad. Oh, it's horrible. Um, now, LAFC last year did not care what Lights FC's record was, right? They Lights FC was a place for them to play guys that weren't going to get regular minutes with their right. major league soccer team and play some of their younger guys that and see, hey, what do we have in this? So the record and how good Steve Terundolo and Lights FC is kind of irrelevant. But I say kind of irrelevant because 623 and 3 is terrible. Like this is not like, oh, they missed the playoffs by like a point. Right? Oh, they were they were No, they were brutal. They were below average. They suck brutal. They were They're terrible horrible. last year. They were an awful team. Like of all the seasons of Lights FC, that's the one that I have cared the least about because they were so and you're bad. You're a season ticket holder. Right. Like, I didn't go to some games during the summer because I was like, eh, eh, what am I going to do? Go it's watch 100 degrees. Again? I don't right. want to go watch that. Like, they were so bad last year, and they've been bad their entire existence, that I stopped caring at points last season. They were terrible. And so, sure, the record's not that important to Steve Trundolo because that wasn't the objective of Lights FC last year with LAFC. But to be 6-23-3, and three, that's terrible. That's horrific. You love correlating Osloberger. Oh, what's you better? Correla- what's better? Going 623 and 3 in the USL and getting an MLS job or going 12 and 15 with UNLV and getting the Iowa State job? It might be Trundolo. I think it is. I think it is. 623 and 3 and the guy's now a head coach in the MLS, yes. a professional league? I think that's more impressive. And listen, I know Iowa State is in the top 25. They're off to a good start. Relatively speaking, LAFC is a better MLS job than Iowa State is a big uh, a college basketball job. Like Iowa State's a middle-of-the-road Power 5 college basketball job. Middle-of-the-road to bottom-road Big 12 job right, right now. But it, LAFC is a really good MLS job. Like that is, you're, you're going there with the expectation that you're going to be playing for MLS Cup. I can see if the lights are listening now. I know you're professionals as well. But 623 and 3. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of borderline. It's not very good. <laughs> Genuine, honestly, I listen. This is not hyperbole. The three of us could have coached them to six wins last year. I keep trying to get us to sponsor a little league team. <laughs> not hyperbole. We could have rolled the ball out and been like, "All right, you guys play whatever formation well, yeah, you want." Yeah, just play the formation. You, you could. You, you I could have done a Chalice thrown cigarettes. On, yes, on we'll win. Pit. We'll win at least six games this year because you guys have played this sport before. Where do we put DRF on the failing upward? Couldn't win a ball game. Couldn't get the team back to even the NIT. SEC. Yeah, she she went early, though. Like, it might end up that Kevin Kruger and Marcus Arroyo are good. In which case, we'll look back and be like, oh, Desiree yeah, Reed-Francois knew what she hires. was doing. Exactly. Right, and we'll look hires. back and say, oh, Missouri just jumped early at the right. shot there. But she's on that list. Like, if Marcus Arroyo gets fired after next year because he goes 2-10, and 10, and if Kevin Kruger makes it three years, doesn't go to the NCAA tournament or whatever, then, yeah, she's definitely on that list of, huh, the hell did she do? Yeah, the volleyball team got better? Like that, We won't we, know about the that The softball team years. got a little better. Yeah. We're not like, going to be able to really evaluate her for a few years. Yeah. So, but she is, she's maybe on the list. She's sort of, we're still yeah. waiting to find sure. out if she's on that list. But she definitely... 
jumped early. Missouri was yeah. like, hey, that looks good. Let's she trade it up. Oh, yeah. I basically doubled Big her time. salary. She went from uh, 420 to, eight. to 800,000. Yeah. At Missouri. She went to a somewhat better conference. Yeah, too. Her team went to a bowl game. She'd have to, she just yes. showed up in the team. With, I mean, they lost, but she just showed up and they went to a bowl game. Missouri's not even good at football, and they went to a bowl game. So here it's like, my God, the biggest <laughs> undertaking, in, undertaking in college football. Can you get UNLV to a bowl game? Just once. Not even, and not even a good one. Have you renewed your tickets? Yeah, I already did. There better the be a life. season next year. They got a schedule.